Hey, listeners, our Patreon page is live. We would love for you to support us. You can go to our website, failforwardpod.com. You can donate today. A huge thank you to our newest Patreon member, Charney. Are you dating your spouse? Yeah. Like, when was the last time you went on a date with them? Yep. So often you get a variety of the same excuses. You know, if they're if they're younger, it, well, it costs too much. Or I have to get a babysitter. Well, I'll tell you, it's cheaper to go on a date and get a babysitter. Than get a divorce. Than get a divorce or have counseling. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life, a blessing, your dream. and then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Listeners, I'm here today with Corey Carlson. Corey is the author of Win at Home First. Corey and I met through a friend who recommended that he come and observe some podcasts. He came and observed Dr. Rekha Chaudhry, right, Corey? Yes. Yeah, and she was amazing. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm so excited because when he told me about this, he was like, I'm writing a book, and I'm like, when the book is out, you come and talk about it. So he's going to talk to us about the book, but more than that, he's going to share some personal stories as well. So, Corey, welcome. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. Okay, so um, I always start off with, tell us where you're from. Where I'm from? Yeah. So I am... I was born in Denver, Colorado. Okay. And then my dad got transferred to Kansas City when I was young. So okay. Kansas City are those kind of more influential years the where I went to you know high school and and so that those I'd call it more home because that's kind of the sports team I'd root for and, yeah. and the people I'd follow would be Kansas City. And then I went to University of Missouri. Okay. And, and for that's undergrad. Yep, for undergrad. Okay. And majored in civil engineering. Really? I don't do any of that anymore. Um, <laughs> which is a whole nother part of my story. And that's where I met my wife. And this, actually this summer we celebrate 20 years, which is pretty, pretty awesome. High five. So, well, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And so then we started our, our careers, our life, our marriage in Kansas City. Okay. And then was there for a while, then got promoted to Denver, Colorado again, happened to go back to Denver, which is fun. Okay. Who did you work for when you were there? I worked out, out of school. I joined a company called Burns and McDonald. They're a okay. civil engineering firm. They're headquartered in Kansas City. Awesome company. Okay. Still have friends. And actually, my sister-in-law works there. Nice. And so, great company there. But I did not love doing engineering. Okay. I sat in a cubicle. I designed airport pavement. Like, the thickness of it, the drainage. Like, how does the water flow from the runway off, and, off as fast as possible? So, I did that. And that was not for me. I enjoy people much more than I do pavement. Uh, so that's good. That's a good tagline. Yeah, that's my tagline. That's that's my next book. You know, people over pavement. Yeah. No. Uh, so, uh, anyways, trademark did, that. Yeah, trademark. Yeah. And um, so, neat company, neat people, but it just wasn't the right thing. And so I was I, I was kind of struggling at that moment, trying to figure out what's next. Who am I? And kind of what am I called to do? And some of those, some of that, I didn't even know those that wording then. So I took the LSAT. I got accepted to law school. But then I was like, uh, I don't want to do that. Now, instead of a cubicle, I'm just in a mahogany office, but I'm still reading right. and doing a bunch of things I don't want to do. And so I got my MBA from Rockers University there in Kansas City. 
and I got involved in technical sales. And so that was to take my people skills. Yes. The the just, engineering and, and side. The engineering, blend it together. And that's what I did. So in Kansas City. And you I, were successful at that. I Yeah, I was. Yeah. I, I was blessed to uh, have success there to the point where in sales that your typical you know, kind of trajectory is, hey, grow the territory. Yeah. And if you grow it, we're going to cut it in half. We're going to put someone else in there and we expect you to do the same. Yeah. I was able to do that. So just using the kind of same practices that, that it had helped. So I got promoted. Um, and that, that company was Contech, who's headquartered here in Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, great company. I was with them for 10 years. So I get promoted out of Kansas City to Denver, Colorado, where I managed, I don't know, 10 states and a, a bunch of people. And then promoted to Cincinnati. Okay. And then at Cincinnati, I worked with Contech. And that's how we get here. Awesome. So it's now where we live. So, like, I know people will be curious, what made you take the leap from the corporate role to the entrepreneur role? Um, yes, for sure. Um, sometimes I probably ask myself how, how and why again. Yeah. But no, I when I came to Cincinnati, I was VP of a $100 million division. I was managing people older than me. I was actually managing my old boss. I wow. leapfrogged him. And I just, I loved my, I loved my current boss, but we were traveling different directions in the country um, every week. And so I just said, man, I need help. And he's like, get an executive coach. I've, I've always used one. You should get one. I was like, really? It's that easy? I, you know, I wish I would have known that. And so I hired an executive coach just about six years ago. Okay. And just fell in love with the process. Uh, I fell in love with the, the new content. I fell in love with the outside perspective, the, the holistic approach. And so what I found is I became a better father, a yeah. better parent, a better leader at the office. And, and then I took one more corporate move where I was president of sales for a national contractor. Okay. So I had 30 sales folks reporting to me throughout the country, and these were the tools that I used. And what was interesting is if they, you know, believed in Jesus, the company I work with that on coaching is biblically based. Okay. So if I, if they believed in Jesus, I said, Jesus said, and here's the tool, the shape or the idea. If they didn't believe in Jesus, I said, Steve Jobs said, and here's the tool, <laughs> here's the shape, here's the idea. And I started to see transformation. Yeah. And so these individuals who really had no, I didn't have, you know, much background with and other than just employment. Yeah. They started to date their spouses again. They started to be intentional with their kids and bottom line started to increase. And I was like, I want to do this for a living. So about three years ago, I made the, the process to, to leave corporate America into coaching. And so it's been an interesting and uh, that's a, that's not a negative word. That's just a very exciting. It's been a very interesting three years. I mean, right. I wrote a book. I'm sitting in a podcast with you, things I never thought I'd do. Um, and, and a variety of other experiences uh, along the way. So you shared with me that you start the book out about talking about the fact that you had an affair on your wife, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Why did you start the book off like that? Well, I mean, and why does it yeah. matter to to your whole philosophy? Yeah, no, it's, I mean that, that's a fair question. Uh, I answer both of them. The, okay. the first one is why did I start that way? Well. Um, I hired a writing coach. So I, after ha hiring a business coach, realizing the value they had, I was like, any journey I start to go down, I'm actually going to look for a guide. Yeah. Who's been there before that I can, even if it costs money, it can, it will save money. Yes. So 
you know, as I was when I was with you a few months ago and saw you do your podcast and kind of been following you and like liking the podcast piece, I want to do a podcast. Um, I've not pulled the trigger yet, but so I've hired a podcast coach just trying but to get some will. ideas. Yeah, I will. And so hired a writing coach. I had an introduction in the book written yeah. about a client's story. And okay. it's a good story. Um, that was my introduction. And then a couple pages later, it kind of talks about, well, we're all broken, such as I and a fair comma, da, 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 you know, some other things. And the writing coach called me out on it. So he had read the book and he just really? says, you know, if you're, if you want your book to, to impact people, make a difference, you got to be vulnerable coming out of the gates. You can't hide behind someone else's story. Yeah. And I just was like, uh, oh no. Like, I mean, I've been sharing that story with people, but on a relational basis. Sure. Um, because it helps impact people. Yeah. And so what I did is I rewrote the introduction and then I went and shared my with my wife. And um I said, you know, I said, Hey hun, you want to read this and and also are you ready to go live with this? Yeah. Because who knows how the book does, if it you know, will have success, if there will be podcasts, if there will be speaking engagements, who knows? Right. But are we willing to do this? And uh, she said yes. Which she did. She did say yes. And um, so we, we did and went for it, wrote it, and that, that's why I started that way. Okay, so two questions that yeah. I got from that. Was she far enough out from that event that the healing had already occurred in order to share it? Or do you think that helped her with some of the healing? I think it, it probably may have helped with, with some of the healing. You know, her and I are both involved in, you know, I'm in a men's group. She's in a women's group, you know, and there's different things we're doing in our faith journey. And I think all of us, even though I would say that I have had significant healing from my affair, there's still head trash. There's still agreements that I've made because of that, that I still break, you know, break the chains on now. What do you mean by agreements? What Just, you know, thoughts of, um, hey, you know, not a good enough husband. I, I messed up once, you know? And so these, these agreements that you could just make where you're, agree, you know, agreeing with lies that aren't necessarily true. Yeah. I tripped up Yeah, for sure. And, and if I don't put up proper boundaries. If I'm not living, you know, a, a good prioritized life. If I'm not dating my wife. If I'm not, um, you know, just growing in my faith. It will. It, it very well could happen again. Yeah. You know. So it's just it's just knowing the, those pieces. That's the the part of agreements is just not allowing those lies that we all have in our head. Yeah. To to get in and, and mess things up. Okay. So. My second question. Yes. I just recently sent my CEO at my day job this article that I read. Actually, was written by one of our podcast um, guests, and it was around vulnerability for CEOs. Mm -hmm. And if you were, it was. A, I think the article was all written around you know coaching new CEOs around the importance of being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Do you think you can talk a little bit about that? Because I'd be interested to hear your perspective of it. And I, I wanted to hear his perspective too. We're going to talk, he and I are going to meet about it next week. But I'd love to hear your perspective from, from a work standpoint. How much vulnerability can a CEO bring or a leader? And at what point do you need to create a boundary around that? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a great question. It's one I actually get asked a lot based on just whether CEO is just in, insecure or the unknown about the future. You know, even if it's just professional related versus personal related. Yeah. And and it is a case by case basis. And I think for vul vulnerability to work, it's got to be authentic. Okay. And you know, so for me, if I'm always running around in every coffee I have or every meeting I have. What is the purpose of me being vulnerable? If I'm being vulnerable to help someone, yes, then that's the win. Then that's authentic. But if that's I'm authentic. being vulnerable to get something out of it, exactly, then that's not. And so it's thinking through the things, such as you know the, the story of. Can I tell yes. you something though? Yeah, we're both salesy kind of people. Yeah. Um, sometimes I catch myself sharing something because I want to get them to another place. And it happens in coaching, yep. right? And that I have to check myself on sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so for me, it is just thinking through, like if, if I if I have time in the moment to kind of pray, think through, hey, what's the reason for sharing this? Yeah. Will it help? Uh, there's been times I've shared it and oh my goodness, it's been you know just an amazing conversation because it opened up things on their end and they felt the you know the reason to share. Other times I've shared stuff and they just look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> but uh, then in your head you're like, I know they think I'm crazy, yeah. but maybe a week from now yeah, they're going to be like, now, oh, gonna, oh, I that I guy had that. coffee with. Yeah. 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 And so I think that's it is thinking through as I work with with leaders on what they're going to share or maybe they're concerned about their Q3, Q4 forecast and how are we going to get it done? Having some of that vulnerability helps get the team buy-in. Yeah. But if you're always running around being so vulnerable where you appear weak, then people aren't going to follow you. So it's that it's that beautiful balance of it's attention, having right? that humility yeah. to share, but yet having the courage to be bold and step in to the, the leadership role that it may be. Yeah. And so teams don't want to follow the vulnerable leader that ends up just being very passive. Mm. Sharing, you know, their, their their weak spots and oh, oh very ho hum. Yeah. They don't want to follow. They want to follow someone who says, in light of my brokenness, in light of the mistakes I've made. Here's the decision that we're going to make. Here's what we're doing. And we're going for it. I love it. So let's go. Okay. All right. So forward, you write that forward. Yes. Um, and then with this coach, mm -hmm. did you know what you wanted to write about in this book before you got the coach? I had some I had some ideas. The writing coach. Um, yeah, I had some ideas, but the writing coach changed the framework. Um, I kind of had this, you know, one framework I had of the book was it's, you know, it's you and then it's home and then it's out in the workplace. That was kind of what I was going into, like these three different parts and the idea of if you get yourself in order, then you can lead home well and then therefore you can lead work well. And in working with a writing coach, he's just like, there's too much in here in your home section. You've got to divide out marriage and parenting because they're very significant. They're both impactful on this content. But I think you could even, if you divide it out, you could get richer yeah. with it. And he was right. I mean, he was, he was spot on because I was, I, in one area, I'd want to go deeper on marriage, but I didn't feel like I could, I could go that deep on the parenting in that equivalent area. So yeah. I kind of pulled back. And therefore, by breaking out, it just allowed me to kind of write each section independently. 
So let's dive a little bit deeper into the marriage portion of that. I think that sounds super interesting. Mm-hmm. So what are some key takeaways? Don't give don't give all of our listeners all the key takeaways because we want them to buy the book. All right. But what are some key takeaways? Yeah, absolutely. The when I work with clients now and the reason for the title of the book is what I found is when people are feeling this like gap at work, yeah. f- so often what I, I'm finding myself saying is I'll get hired to help improve culture. How to w- help me define my vision and values for my company. Help me, um, you know, think about delegation or time management, all those different pieces. But what it ends up happening on these one-on-one calls is what they're really concerned about is how do I engage with my spouse more? Yeah. How do I be more intentional with my kids? And how do I lose 10 pounds? How do I drink less? Any of those different things may ha- happen. And so what I end up talking to clients so much about is you've got to win at home first in order to have capacity to lead well at work, in order to be intentional with your employees, in order to have capacity to be more empathetic. And so one of those first pieces of winning at home first is, is the marriage because yeah. the marriage is the most important relationship in the home. And it drives your parenting so much. The success of your parenting really has a lot to do with not even the parenting, it's the marriage. Is there an example of love and serving and forgiveness between husband and wife? Or is there yelling? Is there talking behind the person's back? And so whatever you're modeling as the parents, your kids are going to, basically they're going to take on that behavior. Right. So- just like whether you're at a company or whether you're in a family, I don't care what your values are on the wall, those aspirational values, the actual values are what are lived out time and time again. And so what on the marriage piece, a big piece of that is, you know, are you in fact, you know, forgiving your spouse? Are you um, serving your spouse? I love when you, you'll hear people who've been married a long time. There's this old quote of, you know, is marriage 50-50? No, it's 100-100. Yeah, I like that. And it is. And it's that whole idea of when you, you know, are you really serving your spouse or are you serving yourself? So for for you personally, the marriage thing and and the epiphanies that came, was that after, was that throughout the marriage? Or did you guys have such a great, I mean, as painful as the affair was, but was there a lot of blessings that came out from that? Oh, amazing blessings. Really? Yeah, amazing blessings. You know, one thing that I will talk to friends, clients, anyone I can, and they, anyone close to me knows it's a high value. One of the highest values I have with that marriage is, are you dating your spouse? Yeah. Like, when was the last time you went on a date with them? Yep. And driving them the importance of that. And so... Often you get a variety of the same excuses, but it is, you know, if they're, if they're younger, it, well, it costs too much or I have to get a babysitter. Well, I'll tell you, it's cheaper to go on a date and get a babysitter. Than, than get a divorce. Than get a divorce or have counseling, <laughs> right? So that's the thing to do is to yeah. go on dates. Um, and the dates are about knowing that, so that the, the woman, that she feels like she feels valued and yeah, she feels listened that, to, listened to and, so, you know, and paying attention. And, and by the way, I, this may be assumed, but maybe not phones are off the table, put the phones in the purse, put the phones in the right. pocket. Don't, uh, right. nothing drives me crazier when I see a couple at a restaurant and the phones are out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Holly okay, and I, Holly and I, I may have our phones out to do I a little do. schedule coordination, but you can tell there's still communication between the two, you know, to the two people. If, yeah. Um, and so it's going on dates. 
what you know happened with you know like with us and when ended up you know going down the wrong path and ended up having an affair is we stopped dating each other. Yeah, we were together a lot. We did double dates. We did group parties. We did. Um, oh, we were always kind of together, but we never spent a lot of that one-on-one time. Yeah. And so fast forward to not now having kids and you know work and travel and all those different things. The same thing applies where we have got to get that one-on-one time. We can't always be at neighborhood gatherings. We can't always be at socials and other events that are always on our calendar. So a non-negotiable that Holly and I made was we are going to date, do date night every two weeks. And the way it happened, uh, we just got back, me and my 15-year-old daughter, we went down to Nicaragua on a mission trip. That's cool. Oh, it was amazing. That's a whole nother podcast, podcast. discussion. <laughs> That was amazing. And then my wife is leaving this weekend for her sister's birthday weekend. And so we're like, we have to have a date. And so last night we went on a date. The weather was gorgeous. So we sat outside and ate and, and it, it was fantastic. But it's just catching up. Yeah. And by connecting. And yeah, just connecting, catching up. I have up. found that if we go to a restaurant, mm-hmm. uh, just the two of us, where we don't see a lot of people, yep. where it's just the two of us and the phones are down. It is the best catch-up ever. Whereas if we're at home, and right. we don't even have kids, Corey, yeah. but still, yeah. even at home in the kitchen, we'll get distracted. Absolutely. And I can get his attention the most when it's ju- when we go out. Yep. I know some people will do walks. That's mm-hmm, another way mm-hmm. that they connect or things yep. like that. But for us, it's dinner. Right. Yep. Absolutely. When, but we're when not it, even that good at that. Mm-hmm. And people are always like, well, you guys don't have kids. Don't you have time? It doesn't matter. It's... Yep. It's the intention behind it, right? Mm-hmm. It's absolutely the intention. It's we both block time out of our schedule. And what I'm telling you as my spouse and what the spouse is, you know, telling me is there's nothing more important for these next few hours than you. And so let's spend time together. Let's talk. Let's, you know, see what we can do. I super dig that. Okay, yeah. give us one more. Give you one more. One more tip, marriage tip. Oh man, all kinds Gosh. of thoughts run through my head. But so the marriage is a big one. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the dating was a big one in marriage. I think another one is, is forgiveness. And what I and that's and hard. It, it's it's super hard. And on forgiveness, and I talk about this in the book. I kind of classify it as three different levels of forgiveness. Okay. There's the big. There's the big forgiveness, right? There's the there's the affair. There's the I, I mean, there's a, more like a trust. There, yeah, something was thing, crazy right? broke. You broke a vow. You and I, I don't know what it is. I know individuals that have gambled money, credit, they snuck up a credit card debt. Right. Um. You know, they did all kinds of different things. So that's uh, just call that the big forgiveness. Yeah. And that that not everyone can do that. And there's no judgment on this. You know, this podcast is common of whether you can or can't. But that's the big one. So that kind of yeah. goes in bucket. The other one is the super small one that we just kind of we forget about. Um, spouse didn't respond to a text. Uh, spouse forgot something in the grocery store. Just something, you know, something just kind of silly. And you say, yeah. I, I forgive you. I'll, I'll run out to the store again. Right. What I find the most, especially with, with Holly and I, is this middle ground where it's I can't dismiss it for some reason. For some reason, it's still on my head. It's still frustrating me, um, but it's obviously not a huge thing. It's something probably small. Right, uh, right. Maybe it's the way she responded to something I said. Maybe it's the tone of her voice. Yeah. And it just frustrated me. Could it also me. be wanting them to be somebody they're not? Oh, Or wanting absolutely. them to behave in yep. a way yep. that they're never going to behave yep. that way. Yeah. No, I, I think there's a, there's a piece to that, and there's actually something... 
that we could actually talk about in regard to that. Um, but real quick on this. That's not really forgiveness, though. Sorry. Yeah. When I was thinking about it. So often I have clients. When I talk with you know clients or even friends, it is amazing how much they say, well, they do this. Well, they do this. And it's like, hold up. <laughs> they may. I, I don't know. Right. But it, you can only fix you. So let's start with, do you have enough, you know, why don't you work on your grace for them? You know, why don't you work on your patience for your kids? You know, why don't you do these different things on you before we start going and, and pointing fingers? Because that's all we're end up doing is pointing fingers. Everyone's wrong. I'm the, I'm the right, right person. So this middle ground of, of forgiveness, what, where I have got a ton of, Holly and I have got a ton of traction, is this forgiveness would form a wedge between us. And on our good days, we'll call each other roommates. Like, hey, you know, we're turning to roommates. Yeah. Like, and so let's talk about it. And that's on our good days where we come together. We've called each other kind of roommates. And we're like, what's the issue? I and, love and it's, that. You know, and we start to, to unpack some of the things are. But we both got to be in a good place in order to, to hit that ahead on. But sometimes if she comes to me and says, we've been roommates, man, it is just like, it's like she's extending the olive branch. Like, hey, I know we screwed up and I may have screwed up more or maybe you screwed up more, but I'm ready. Okay, so I married somebody who is a little bit more introverted than I am, if yes. you can believe that. Yes. Just kidding. And I want to talk things a lot. Yes. And he, and sometimes maybe I over-talk it with him, right? Yes. But I would love to get to that lang common language of the roommate thing. Mm -hmm. But But sometimes he'll say, things are good. Why do you always have to like analyze it what do i say to that dave you know i love you when i <laughs> and i also uh married an introvert as well um that's why your husband said go start a podcast go talk to <laughs> go talk to somebody right that's why he said go totally for it. <laughs> i'm all in favor of you getting a podcast that's hilarious um you know i think for us it just i mean our our, our marriage is, is is awesome but you know we don't have our perfect days yeah. And what I run into trouble a lot is sometimes <laughs> I'm reminded I have my coaching hat on and not my husband hat on. Like I want to, you know, go try to fix things or, you know, hon, you, you should really oh, do this. Oh, God, or, Corey. Yeah. So you I, just nailed me, man. Yeah. And That's so I, I can get in trouble. So there are times I do where, put my coaching hat on. Yep. Yep. And so there, there have been times where I, if I see a conversation going a certain way, I will literally, I've asked, Holly, do you want me to put my coaching hat on or my husband hat? Like, do you do you want some suggestions or not? And sometimes she said, yeah, I'll take suggestions. Other times it's absolutely not. Okay. Uh, we had a, uh, it's a, a story, it's actually in the book, but she came home from a meeting and she was frustrated and there was conflict at this meeting with this, uh, this other woman. And I before I listened, before I was empathetic, before I said, you know, that sucks. I'm, you know, sorry about that. I started, I want to solve her problem because she was so mad. So I started yeah. giving all these solutions and it blew up in my face. Yeah. And, you know, she, you know, walked right inside. But it, I took the minute to say, like, I was in the wrong there. And so that's one of those forgiveness pieces that back to that middle ground. That's that middle ground where, um, you know, it wasn't a big deal, but it was one of those that I couldn't just dismiss it. Yes. Because I was trying to provide a solution. She didn't like it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I was in the wrong. Like I was, I was trying to solve the problem and I wasn't actually what she needed at that moment. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, and that for those listeners and like, you know, like yourself, it's, there's those moments where you're both in good spirits 
and maybe you're not even talking about this and you just bring it up. Um, hey, I, you know, I, I heard some people use the word roommate when things are tense. Let's yeah. try that. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, no, and, I, and just so I love that it. roommate thing. And yeah. I also want you to talk about this agreements concept. Okay. You mentioned it yeah. earlier. Mm-hmm. And I want to dive deeper into it because I think it's really an interesting concept. Explain more around what are what are the agreements that you make in your head? Yeah, the agreements that people make in their head yeah. are any times, which is right along with your podcast, but anytime people have made failures in their life that they make an agreement with the, with the devil and actually just with the you know with their their self that because of this I can never do something similar or better. So because I uh, an agreement I could make is because I had an affair I will never be a good husband. Mm. Because I had a failed business I will never have a successful business. And so those are just kind of extreme examples, but they can happen all the time. Because I, you know, because, because I, I ate that Sunday, I'm not going to be skinny. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. So those are the agreements. So it's it's thinking through what are the different agreements that you consistently make. They, they could be around food. They could be around drink. They could be around um, a, a different, you know, different habit. And just thinking through what are those agreements I commonly make. And really just thinking through whether it's it's prayer, whether it's journaling, whether and thinking through, all right, that's the lie. And what is the truth in it? So just because Do you ever write do you write that like do you write that down? Is that when you journal it, is does that is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. I, I have different pages at different times if I'm having some agreements. I will write down the lie that I'm hearing. Okay. So let's just I'm not a good parent because I yelled at my kid. Yeah. You know, I will write that lie, and the reality is, no, the, the truth is I can be a, a, a great parent. I can be amazing parent. I screwed up, but yeah. that doesn't define me. Instead, the truth is that I can be an amazing parent. It just takes intentionality, and, it, it you know, I got to move forward from it. I can't be tethered to the past, yeah. which is so often what holds so many of us back because it's that one failure. That we've had, or the numerous failures, or whatever it may be. That so, we can agreements only be about something about yourself, or can it be about somebody else? Absolutely, can be about somebody else. Okay. Absolutely, it's a perception that you have. Like, um, yeah, you're exactly right. My kid can never be X. I've just labeled my kid. How do I know they can't be that? Yeah. You know, I'm not even giving them a fair shot. Yeah. I think one reason I had such amazing breakthrough this past weekend with on my. Uh, Nicaragua trip is my daughter is um, she's 15 amazing young lady but in our house or in Cincinnati I should say um, she we're, we're the exact same you name any personality test um, Enneagram we're both threes uh, type okay. A we're both type A oldest we're both the oldest uh, whatever it may be we're the same so what I find myself doing in Cincinnati and I'm going to work my hardest to, to course correct to, to recalibrate but I, I, I'm hard on her and mm-hmm. it's, it's from a place of love it totally is of but course. I'm hard on her because I'm like man if I knew what I know now and yeah. I could put it in this 15 year old mind wow what could happen Yeah, and that's unfair to her yeah. And so what happens is if she falls short of anything, I start I, I can start to label her like, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe she can't do this. 
and you know maybe she is not gonna do these things and so i can do this and so unfair but what happened is when we went to uh, nicaragua well i gotta see her like come alive and, and I, I don't want mean she doesn't come alive in cincinnati that's probably not in the right a word different way but i just got to see her be in table conversations with other adults and well kylie what do you think kylie what was your breakthrough today and like she had to answer and i got to see it i'm like that's amazing yeah and so not only could she be more than what i was trying to condition her and train her or mold her for she's gonna be something bigger but and better bigger. and even different so agreements that i was putting on her she just broke through a lot of those in a week as I saw her have adult conversations. As I saw her before we went, she, I was so bad at my Spanish, I can't even think of the Spanish app. <laughs> Duolingo, Duolingo. I don't even know. But anyways, know. she got pretty darn good in Spanish in two weeks using an app. I'm awful. Sponge. She came back. She wants to be fluent in Spanish by next summer. Maybe the adrenaline or the high of this triple fate. I don't know. But as of now, whatever she let's, loves it. Let's go with She's it. She's thinking about interning there. Like all these things are going, but it's like, wow, this is so cool to see this just kind of like just bloom. And it's super fun. And so that goes back to your comment about agreements. If we're not careful, we can label, we can make agreements about how a kid is, how a spouse is, how yeah. an employee is. Yes. Whatever, whatever that is, we can put, we can make agreements of, yep, that's how they are. That's how they'll always be. And we, we, we hear that phrase. I know. And so for me, when you talk about the journaling, I will write out different agreements that I'm making whether it's on me or it's even on others. And so, um, and then what is the truth in that? And, and then really trying to think through that. Uh, this concept I love. I think it's amazing. I think if, if each person one day yeah. for 15 minutes yeah. wrote down an agreement that they made and what was the truth in that, yeah. think about the possibility. Yep. Yeah. I know I totally agree. I just had a conversation earlier today about the idea of the gratitude journal. Yes. Right? Doing that in the morning, doing that in the evening. Absolutely awesome. I love it. I'm a huge fan Wait. of gratitude. Oh, I didn't know about the morning and the evening. Oh, yeah. Be Dude, grateful. I do it yeah, like every yeah, other yeah, day, yeah. not the morning and yeah. the evening. And in <laughs> and in light of our conversation of live versus truth, what I don't enjoy about the gratitude journal by itself yes. is you're not getting to the root of it. Like- you know. So, so I I have an equivalent. It's called a fear inventory, mm -hmm. where you write down what that fear is. What do I own? What is it? Um, how does it make me feel? What do I own in it? And then it's there's a reframe of it, yeah. right? Yeah. Which I think works really well. But not just a fear inventory. But I'll do like a daily inventory of um, was I kind? Was I loving? Um, did I keep a secret? And the secret thing, like something negative that I held in versus. Yeah getting support from so i i have like a list of 10 inventory questions i don't do it every day but with my gratitude and it it kind of keeps me in check a little bit too and we talked about you and i before we started recording we talked about this humility and, and getting keeping our ego in check right and that's one way that i keep my ego in check because it can get pretty big absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah. Yep. And I don't like to admit that, but it, it can. Like, I can think that I am the greatest person in the world. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I mean, what some of those things, lies, truths, or and like even your, your fear listing, I think that's a great balance between that pride yeah. and pessimism. 
like it's that peak in the valley like it keeps us level yeah because without the gut check we could become too prideful we could become too arrogant it's about my glory right but if we're not careful and we go the other way then i'm never gonna make it yeah. uh, i'm not meant to be an executive i'm not meant to be a coach i'm not i'm not a great stay-at-home mom i'm not this yeah. we start to make these agreements so the beautiful thing of any exercise that it starts to level it out mm-hmm. what are some other ways that for you 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 keep it level or manage the ego. Uh, manage the ego. Sometimes if I just go to social media, that manages my <laughs> ego like crazy. <laughs> I can. I, I can... don't know. Sometimes social media like boosts my ego. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, great. Look at me. I got another like. Yeah. Which is total BS. Yeah. It, it is total BS. And I will get that, let's just say. And I have. I'm like, oh, that's an amazing post. I have 20 likes. And right, I go to some all, other person I mean, and dude, they have 20,000 likes. I'm Whereas like, Bart, the producer here, gets like, you know, 20,000 likes. But that's yeah, okay. That's awesome. In my world, I'm yeah. doing pretty okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, the things I keep in check is, um, I mean, social media can have its good days and bad days. Just as, the, you know, the kind of fun examples that we talked about. Uh, but man, when I am at my best, yeah. it is when I'm getting my solitude. It's when I'm journaling. It's when I'm spending time in the Word. It's when I am getting my exercise in. It's when I'm spending time with uh, my close like family, like you know, um, and then some inner circle friends. Yeah, and that kind of keeps me all in. It keeps me all in check, and um, those are the things I need to do. So if I'm get like if I'm getting off track, it's like. Oh man, I need to I need to spend some time in the word. I need to go journal about this. So my wife can see it sometimes as well. She'll say, "Uh, hun, you you want to go to the gym today?" <laughs> I love <laughs> or that. Or something along those lines. And so I'll go and I know it's my cue to that I got to, you know, check it. Recalibrate. Yep. So, uh Kurt Platt. Do yes, you know Kurt? I do know Kurt Platt. So he was on an episode oh, and awesome. he he says he has to have his his priorities in line. Yep. His number one priority is God. His second one is sobriety. His third is family. Yep. And his fourth is work. Yep. Um, and if he doesn't have those things in that priority mm. where he's focusing on them, then he is of no use to any of them. Mm-hmm. And I just, I loved that. I like love he's that. so, he was so clear yep. on what worked for yep. him. And I think everybody has to find what's clear. They need to find that clarity for themselves because yep. it's different. Absolutely. So in the first part of the book, I talk about what are my priorities and the name of the coaching group that I'm with is the five capitals. Those five capitals are just that tool that I use. And um, it's the number one is spiritual. Yes. And so it's, it's and love is that God. fivecapitals.com? It's fivecapitals.net okay. is is the website. Thank you. And then, so the first one's spiritual. Yep. And that that is love God. I have had clients or even friends that don't believe in a God. Okay. So what I will talk to them about is the fact that spiritual is that idea of the greater purpose. Like what is the overall? And it's, you know, it's kind of interesting. There is... Um, I heard it said before that Harvard Business Review did a study that all great ideas come from the shower. And it's that idea that there's no cell phone, there's no nagging yeah, spouse, there's no totally. crying kid. And, but that idea is you're just in that white space, you're thinking. I was doing some research for a talk and 
I actually came across. There's this 19, in the 60s, Time Magazine had the three Bs, or where all great ideas come from. It was the bus, the bathtub, and the bed. Oh, my god! But it's the same idea. I get them in my bed yeah. before I fall asleep at night, yeah. and I'll write them down. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're crazy, mm-hmm. but I still write them down. Mm-hmm. And I think we've all been in that work meeting where someone says, on my run this morning, I had this idea. Yes. So it's the same idea. Um so when I'm talking to, to people who don't believe in a God, it's, hey, yeah. get, get that white space, get that solitude, get those times and, and whoever you're praying to or whatever you're thinking. Yeah, do some meditation. That's what we need. For me, it, it is it is for God, spending time in the word. So that's number one is spiritual. Number two is relational. So it's loving others. So it's spending time with my family, my inner circle. Like, what does that look like from a relational standpoint? You know, who am I investing in? Who's investing in me? Yeah. And really thinking through that. The third one's physical. So- it is the time and the energy that I have to invest in others, invest in my life. And so what will happen is, and we, we all know it is, if we stay up too late watching a movie, watching a sports game, we're worthless the next day. Right. So it's managing your calendar, managing your schedule so your schedule doesn't manage you. Mm-hmm. And then just owning it and figuring out, hey, I'm going to say no to these things. Uh, there's a, a friend of mine, a guy named... Uh, uh, Chris Cadell, his uh, quote that he said that I absolutely love is the quantity of your no's will determine the quality of your yeses. So, Oh my God, yeah. say that again. So the quantity of your no's will yeah. determine the quality of your yeses. And so I just love that. It's like, are, you know, are you saying no to things? Or is it yes to everything? Yes to every neighborhood potluck. Every, yes to every yeah. kid's sleepover. Yes, yes, yes. No, there's got to be some no's. And talking with some folks, I shared this the other day with the. With I will a tell you yes. though, I think it's taken some maturity for me to figure that out because I've started doing that in some of my direct reports who are in their early 20s. They're like, how do you do that? I can't do that yet. I'm like, yes, you can. It's a choice. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean no, to interrupt uh, you. No, it's spot on. And I think everyone's a little wired differently for that. Um, I, too, am right with you because I'm approval driven. Yeah, me too. Like, I'm a, I, yeah. I want the approval of people. So if my neighbors are doing something, I want to be there. I don't want to miss out on the these fun. these coworkers are doing something, I want to be over there. I, it's, it's FOMO, right? Fear mm-hmm. of missing out. So I don't want that. Where I have, and I still will struggle with it, even though we're talking about it right now. But where I have got more peace and gained more ground on it is... If I say no to some of those things, I'm so much better at the things that really matter. Or I'll be so much more present to the next meeting the next day. Right. Um, and so that, that's been a huge help. So the physical is, is the third one. So yes. it's, it's getting your exercise. It's managing your calendar. Can I repeat these back? Yes. Spiritual. Mm-hmm. Relational. Relational. Physical. physical. Yep. The next is intellectual. So it's coming up with the insight and the ideas for your business, for your for your life. Okay, um, how do you make time and space for that? Yeah, so uh, for if you know intellectual, so some of these you, you're kind of killing two birds at one stone because so, you, the spiritual will help with that, right? Yeah. Well, if I want to rest, it's like, man, I, I just need to chill. I'm going to read a book, and so now I'm resting and reading a book. Yeah. If I want to work out physical capital, but I'm going to listen to a podcast. <gasps> Intellectual and physical, Double. same time. Yeah. Right? And so- Do you it, play a little game with yourself? Yeah, I do. I do. Like, how many points? <laughs> hey, I got five points. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's really just kind of thinking through, how do I do that? But yeah. then I, but then you also have to say no to things. Like, um, I do not get fulfilled 
My heart does not get f- full if I watch a sports game by myself. Okay. If I watch a sports game by myself, say it's a two-hour game, a three-hour game, and my team loses, I'm pissed. <laughs> my team lost. I <laughs> wasted I don't have time. Any people to have I did it. nothing. But if I watch that exact same game with a buddy yeah. and I'm having a beer, it's awesome. I love it. It's great. We yeah. talked. Team loss. Hey, who cares? Right. You know, and that's the that's the thing that is really just thinking through of those five capitals. The fifth one's financial. Okay. So that's at the bottom, and, and meaning, I, I mean, if we put financial at the top, we know money can't buy happiness. Right. So it's putting money in its right place, making it not a god, making it not an idol, making it not a driver of the decisions you make. Um, and there is a time and place of each of those capitals. You may have to invest in one a little more heavily for a variety of reasons. Um, maybe relationships got gone bad. So you got to invest in that physically, maybe you you blew a knee exercising and therefore you got to spend some time physically. You got a new job. Therefore, intellectually, you got to spend a lot of time in the new, uh, on the new company website, studying all the products, whatever it may be. So there can be some reasons to invest in one at a certain time more than the other. But the thing you want to do is as quickly as possible, recalibrate to get them in the right order. Okay. You can recalibrate. I, I recalibrated in the day. So do you bridge anything with the five capitals with your book? Or five do you capitals, keep them separate? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the five capitals framework yeah. you're talking about? The five capitals are in part one. So part okay. one is about you. So in order to live a life to the full, in order to feel like you're thriving, not just surviving – You've got to understand you first. And so in part one, we talk about agreements. We talk about head trash. We talk about what are your temptations that, and, and what are you most prone to falling. So I don't care if you're an Enneagram, a Myers-Briggs, a DISC, whatever you are. There's temptations that we're all thrown at that we are more prone to fall to. So if someone tells me I'm an Enneagram 3, I'm an extrovert, I'm all these things. Well, that's great. Well, there's a shadow side to that that's right. not really in all those assessments. Yeah. And so it's thinking through, hey, what are those different temptations that you have and can you see them before they hit? Yeah. Um, and then in talking about the five capitals so that you can live that prioritized life and unpacking each of them. And so there's reflective questions for all those sections to help you recalibrate and, and get back on track. That's so cool. With uh, with that part one. Okay, great. So you do. You really do. Absolutely. All right. Any final words for our listeners? Well, thank you very much, first of all, for <laughs> of having course. me on here. I'm super thank grateful you for, for coming. It. Super grateful for, to get to do it. Um, you know, the reason I, I, I wrote the book is for impact. And so when I came, when my wife and I made the decision, that was the introduction that we were going to go with, you know, the, the affair for the introduction. The reason why was not to broadcast that to say, hey, I hope I get sales or I hope any right. of that. The real reason was I wanted someone out there and, and hopefully a, a variety of different people to see that and realize I can relate. I've got whether they're dark secrets that no one knows about or whether people do know about it and to realize that, hey, this book is going to, this book provided the tools for Corey and his family to get back on track, to overcome a, a failure like that. And now has a awesome marriage, good kids, and 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 plus he's doing left what his, he loves and doing what I love. And so I want someone to see this and grab these tools. I may never talk to that individual, and and that's I mean I remember some someone said when they after they read the book they're like 
this is a, a like a coaching guide for a client. Like, I can't believe you did that. What if they never call you? I said, it's, it's why I did it. There's a part in the, in the introduction in that night where I decided I'm coming clean of my affair where I had a, a wrestling match with God. And one of the statements that I heard, whether it was audible or not, I sure felt like I heard it, was you have to hand over your small story for a greater story. And at the time, I had no idea what that language meant. Yep. Um, but I had a sense of what I need to do. But now, fast forward to here, we're talking tonight. We've got, uh, you know, the book. The greater story is sharing my small brokenness, the tools that helped me get right for the greater story that somebody in California or Maine who doesn't know me, doesn't know, have access to maybe some of the particular resources that help me. Yeah. And this book gives them breakthrough. Well, that's exactly what we hope Failing Forward does for people, too. So we are on the same playing field, my friend. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's cool. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Your presence was a gift. Sure. Well, thank you. Thank you. So thank you. Yeah. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod. 